Welcome everyone to Cardinal Insights. Today's podcast takes a look at the Charlotte industrial markets. You'll hear from industry veterans who will talk about the market then and now, and they'll share their market insights and predictions for the future. This is Carrie Singe, and here with me as always is John Culbertson, founder of Cardinal Real Estate Partners. In addition to producing this podcast, John writes an award-winning newsletter, which you can find on his company website at cardinal-partners.com. So today we are thrilled to have with us two commercial real estate rock stars whom John has known and worked with for quite a while. I'd like to start by introducing Ann Johnson, Senior Vice President with CBRE. Ann began her brokerage career with CBRE in 1989. Since then, Anne's focus has been on striking a successful balance between tenant representation and listings on manufacturing, bulk distribution, and office and warehouse space. Anne is one of the most active brokers in the Carolinas, typically participating in more than 75 transactions per year. Anne is consistently recognized by the Charlotte Region Commercial Board of Realtors as one of Charlotte's top brokers and as one of the region's highest investment producers. In addition to representing a wide range of national, regional, and local industrial tenants, Anne represents a number of significant industrial landlords. When she's not doing a real estate deal, you might spot her volunteering in a variety of community service activities, including Habitat for Humanity, Crisis Assistance Ministry, and the Uptown Homeless Shelter. She also has taught a senior high Sunday school class for more than 20 years. Welcome, Anne, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Thank you, and sorry that my uh, bio was so long. (laughs) Well, we are also very lucky to have with us today Brad Sherry, Industrial Specialist and Managing Director with JLL. Brad has more than 33 years of commercial real estate experience and is licensed in North and South Carolina. He has completed more than 1,500 industrial real estate transactions and project managed more than 1.2 million square feet of industrial development. He's a founding member of Keystone Partners from 2001 through 2011 and has been a current member and is a past vice president of the Charlotte Region Commercial Board of Realtors. A neat fact about Brad, he played on the ATP Professional Tennis Tour and played in the qualifying for both Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. He obtained a world ranking of 347. Welcome, Brad. Thank you as well for your time. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, I understand that both of you and John have some history together. John, I'm going to pass things over to you. Thank you, Carrie. That was a great introduction. Well, I mean, one, there's very few people in the commercial real estate industry that hold in a higher esteem than these two people. What's really awesome, Carrie, about Anne and Brad is their insight on the market and just how quickly they are willing to share that with people, you know, where sometimes brokers get a bad rap. You can count on these two doing things right. And just when I've got a question about a market or what should I do, I can pick up the phone and they just give me the skinny real quickly. I have a great deal of respect for both of them. You know, I'm just thankful for having you guys here. And, you know, we had a a great time in the past for me, 25 years, you know, performing some deals and seeing you around the brokerage community. There was a period of time when Brad and I worked quite closely together when we were over at Trammell Crow and his, his desk was right around the corner from mine. And, and we've never really worked together, but I always knew, like I said, I could call you and get some great information. And then of course you too have got a, a wonderful history longer than mine. And, you know, you're very good friends, but, and you actually mentored Brad, when he first got into the industry, right? Ha, ha, ha. Just the opposite. I actually was his junior assistant when I first started, and I think I was about 22 or 3, and he was probably 24 or 5. So it was uh, it was trouble number one and trouble number two. We did some real estate deals together, though, I can tell you. 
We did a bunch of them. I bet you did. Yep. So we did have fun. And I think, you know, the market was extremely different rather than finding time to do all the deals and just managing all the activity, which is what I think our problem is now. Back then, I think the problem was there weren't enough deals to be had. So just digging stuff up, I think, you know, was probably the biggest challenge. It was tough. More creative, it seemed like at that then. And there were just less deals to be had for sure. Less demand. Tenants were smaller, shorter term. The market's uh, matured a lot since uh, we were running hard at CBD together. So back then, what size deal was sort of a bread and butter deal for you? Well, I think we did. Part of it was because we were going to do whatever deals we could. I think we both did a lot of office warehouse or flex deals, and those were tiny. I mean, those were a thousand to five thousand square feet. And we did lots and lots of those. I, I think it was not unusual for us to do collectively to do, you know, at least a hundred of those a year. And then I would say bulk warehouse or warehouse space was more 20 or 30,000 square feet was the average size deal versus today. I would have said 10 to 20. I mean, it was much smaller. I would Today it's 75, 80,000 feet, I think, sort of the average size tenant that's uh, taken these new developments. So it's, uh, it's a new world in Charlotte, North Carolina from 30 years ago. No question about it. That was 30 years ago. Flex was hot back then. Not much has been developed as far as Flex product. There's really, I can't think of anything that is being developed right now. Maybe like some smaller buildings, kind of infill. But the rates have increased substantially. Do you anticipate that any Flex space will be developed this year or next? I, mean, I think, you know, Milton Silver is still building a few small buildings. They're certainly meeting the market and getting leased at rates that are probably at least double what they were 30 years ago. And I mean, probably double what they were eight years ago. I think there's still going to be some development. They're much tougher to finance. There are a lot more work. These institutions that want to own industrial real estate, it's harder for them to deal with these 3,000 foot tenants at a time. But I mean, I don't know. You think? Uh, I think you. You know, I think you're seeing a lot more flex in um, suburban markets where there's not a whole lot of office space either. And I think those developers are building flex both to satisfy industrial requirements and also office requirements. And I think the fact that they're one of the challenges with flex space is that during a, a downturn. When office space, when those vacancies get high, that also hurts flex space because there are a lot of people that lease flex instead of office. And so I think in these suburban markets that don't have, they have neither flex nor office space readily available, you can kind of knock out two birds with one stone. So a lot of that space, the better space flex has been in suburban areas where there's just nothing, which is challenging because you're oftentimes pioneering a market where there's nothing. It's definitely hit or miss. I don't think you're going to see anybody who has a prime site in Charlotte build flex because it's going to cost too much. And there are other easier ways to to get it developed and leased up. And less demand for the, on the takeout as far as on the sell. If you were a merchant builder, which Milton isn't, you know, he's building this for his own portfolio. There's less demand for you know, people who are making acquisitions of a flex space versus you know, distribution space. Yeah, cap rates are totally different. Right. Less money to be made. What are you seeing out there in the trend on distribution product? What's kind of new and exciting? I feel like uh, there people are starting to put more parking in. 
which I think is a car parking or car, trailer? car parking. Oh, okay. And I think some trailer parking too. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think a couple of the projects that haven't leased in this cycle in the Mecklenburg County are the ones that didn't have trailer parks. But I do think people are trying to make sure they got plenty of car parks. As everybody knows, our market's kind of two markets within one. So you've got a lot of bulk space out in the outward areas, Concord, Rock Hill. And I agree with Brad, those buildings you're seeing, because there's so much more of that space that's been built, I think they're trying to add features that individual developers that make their properties more desirable. I think, though, on the infill, the stuff that's in the more central area, those development seem to be, they're jamming as big a building as they can onto a site. So I think those, most of those, unless somebody, a developer has held a site for some time, I think a lot of those sites are ones that have have been passed over because there's some challenges. So I think you're finding those buildings maybe have some some challenges that they're getting leased because of the location, but I think they're probably not as desirable from a feature standpoint as the ones in the Hinderlands. So developers who are buying infill sites, sort of the dregs, the last ones to remaining, they are having to squeeze buildings either because topography issues or because the price of the land. And they may not have as many trailer parks or car parks as as some of the buildings out in Concord or you know, kind of the hinterlands. Well, I think sure. they're I think they're developing them to sell them also. So right. they're trying to maximize the square footage. And so far, most of them have been able to flip the buildings, even right. some of them before they've been leased. So you can't blame them if you're you know if you're going to sell. You might as well get as much square footage as you can. So, and I think they've done that quite well so far. Brad, you pointed out the car park specification. I mean, 12 months ago, we wouldn't be talking about that at all. Why does a warehouser need car parks? So I think this trend for the e-commerce, that's more holding and more handling. So more people, right? I mean, you know, the Amazon facility out by the airport, that's 2.4 million feet is going to have 2,500 car parks. Right. So I think there's that trend in the market that, uh, Hey, if we're going to have somebody in fill and get you your stuff, Right. Tomorrow, when you order it, then we're going to have more people working there. So the car parks aren't for robots. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> not yet. Even though, you know, like in the Amazon facility, it's a bunch of robots. Right. But it's still people there doing kind of the last piece of it. So would that be the largest distribution building in the Carolinas? In this region, I'm not sure yeah. about along I-85. And and honestly, I'm real excited to at some point, hopefully have the opportunity to see it because we understand that it's multiple floors. I haven't seen the final plan on it, but I'm real anxious to see. I'm sure it's cutting edge. I, mean, I, I got a tour of it about two weeks ago. Uh-huh. It was cool to see. I mean, but it's like one of the things. These so mul- is it three story? Yeah, it's three stories inside. It's got uh, the floors are only two and a half inches thick, the elevated floors. Wow. Because they're only like 12 foot clear and they're stacking everything on sort of more shelves. And then those shelves get brought over to the uh, workers. It's an interesting, I mean, I, so is it a mezzanine that's in there or yeah, it's a concrete mezzanine with these big, you know, three stories. Yeah. So that's how I always wondered the building. They obviously dug down so it doesn't seem as tall, but you'd think a traditional building that's three stories would need to be, yeah, you know, hundred feet, hundred feet tall. Right. Yeah. And, and you can look at that building and tell even where they dug down that it's not that tall. So that makes more sense. That's what I haven't been able to figure out. It's crazy. I mean, it's, but the floor has to be, the elevated floor has to be super flat, 
right. because the ro- robotics on it. But uh, oh wow, you know, it's, so it's it, mostly robots on the like the second and third floor. No, it's, there's people. It, oh, okay, it, it picks it and brings it over to a spot where the people are, and then they do the last get on the conveyor. Or I'm jealous. I really want to go see that. Yeah, see, as lucky. usual, you beat me to yeah, it. Okay. No. Oh, well. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, listen, we've got to be industrial nerds that we're getting excited about floor <laughs> thickness. Can you believe it? It's only two inches thick. Yeah, it is crazy. Well, it's definitely cutting edge if it's something that Amazon's doing. So you want to know right. what that is just to be able to tell people. I mean, nobody else is doing it, so it'll be kind of crazy to Th- see. That new Staples Build-A-Suit has a similar single mezzanine, and it has a lot of robotics, but it's not, I've never, ever heard of anything that's three stories. That's why this is so unique, right. yeah. except maybe in, you know, Tokyo or someplace where right. land is so expensive, they have to go up. But this, I, I, you know, okay, I'm jealous. Can you arrange for me to go to? We can probably figure that uh-huh. out. If I played my cards right, okay. <laughs> Tell us what else are you seeing out there in the marketplace that is just radically different than when you got into business 30 years ago? I would say the amount of space we're building. I mean, we're building, you know, for easy math, 5 million feet a year, but we're absorbing it. I mean, a big year when Ann and I started was a million feet. I mean, it'd be a giant year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like kind of in uh, 2006 and seven, like, okay, it's 2 million. And now it's, now it's 5 million. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that's just, uh, the number of developers has, has doubled and there are a bunch of names you never heard of or Charlotte hadn't heard of until this cycle. So it's uh, it's exciting time to be in, in the industrial real estate business. It's going to be interesting touching on what Brad said about the development. I think last year was the first year that except for during some downturns where we didn't have where absorption did, was less than overall development. And I think that'll happen this year. And it's going to be interesting to see how it affects our vacancy. Right now, we're still at 5%, which is extremely low. But it's going to be real interesting if that trend continues to see, you know, how high, even with extremely healthy absorption, you certainly, and if you just keep building and building at some point, it'll be interesting to see if we have, you know, a little bit of a glut. I think we might in the bulk space a little bit, but we're fortunate that so far it seems like that the more is built activity from an absorption standpoint seems to keep up with it. Almost like, you know, if if you build it, they will come. So I think we've been real fortunate so far about that, but it will be interesting to see. And I got a question for you. So do you feel like all this class A stuff pretty much getting absorbed. I feel like there's a more of a trend towards the class B stuff. that's deeper, lower, clear height, not as many doors. You know, I'm thinking of like Goodrich, Bond Street, Continental, you know, all of a sudden you add those three together and it's like, there's a million and a half feet that like most, I don't, I don't, do you feel like there is demand for that older B product? I do. And I think ultimately what will, what will save a lot of that, space or salvage a lot of that space. It's just that it's in such a superior location. I think if that product were, you know, far out where a lot of this bulk space is getting built, they might be in trouble. But I think that space will get leased just because so much of it is located near where everybody lives. And it's just, I think the convenience factor. But I do think some of those properties have some features that probably need to be improved to make them more competitive. It is interesting, though, the smaller base stuff, 
that has extremely similar features. Not only is it all leased, but it's skyrocketing in terms of the rates. I mean, I don't know if you've done a deal lately at Commerce Park, but yeah. I mean, they're like talking, you know, six and seven dollar rates for stuff that used to be two dollars a foot. They have no competition. Right. And I think what you're touching on this other stuff, there is all kinds of competition, but I think it's all outside of, of where people want to be. So I think that's going to save them that and probably being a little bit more cost conscious budget oriented. You know, just hitting on those rates and just I mean, $2 is $7 a square foot triple net. I mean, that's a huge swing. And I read CoStar where they marked Charlotte as being the market that has, they were looking back over the past three years, that rental rates have increased at a higher clip per year percentage than any other market in the country. What's driving those rental rates? What's pushing those rates? The construction costs. The land, you know, used to be at 75,000 an acre was kind of your, you know, in 2007. Now you look at it and say 125,000 an acre, and then you kind of go left or right from there. And then on top of that, the regulations and the development. So you now have to have these uh, two detention ponds. So you clean the water. So you need more land for that. And then the construction costs. I mean, every contractor is busy. The labor supply is tight. Supplies are tight. Steel the tariffs have been on again, off again, an issue there. So it's just raised the whole cost of the development cycle. So rental rates have pushed up. Construction costs have pushed up. And cap rates have lowered. That's the only thing that's otherwise the rental rates would have been nine bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the cap rates hadn't gone to, you know, five something. Well, I do think what, you know, what's unique to Charlotte that we all, especially anytime you're trying to do a a development, a build a suit is just the scarcity of land, particularly in that core area. And I think if you go probably delve into those absorption increases, you'll find that the rates for buildings in core areas have increased significantly more than maybe some of the bulk space in particular that's that's outside. And I think it's a lot of it's just pure supply and demand. There's just only so much that you can fit into to an area. And if you've got a good site, it doesn't matter how much somebody's willing to pay for it, because probably there's going to be an apartment developer or somebody else that's going to want to buy it instead. So I think, you know, particularly the smaller bay, eight to 40,000 square foot space, that's where we're talking about like Commerce Park, where it's gone from, frankly, it was $3 a square foot probably in the 2000s. So, I mean, it's gone from $3 to $7 in you know, less than 15 years. So, I mean, it's really been a huge increase. So the key takeaway there is if you have an industrial site that's infill, it's a great time to go ahead and build something. Yes. You can get higher rates, the demands there, right? but you know, you'll be shocked. You you go to build one of those 150 foot deep or, you know, something like that. I mean, you're going to look at it and say, man, I have to get seven, eight bucks. And, you know, if you tell a tenant in Commerce Park, you were paying four bucks, now you're going to pay eight bucks, but you're going to get another four feet in ceilings. You know, they got to move, yeah. you know, that's the. So just sell it to apartment developer or somebody doing retail. I mean, I think part of what's happened too with our market is some of what were core industrial markets. When we first started, my territory was Graham street. Nobody else wanted it. And his was South <laughs> Tryon because he picked before I got a chance. And, you know, now if you look at those areas, buildings are getting torn down or redeveloped as, 
breweries and apartments are getting built. So, you know, so much of what was our, our old core industrial that's zoned, most of it's zoned heavy industrial I-2, it's all gone. So it's, uh, you know, that I think puts additional pressure just on, on the supply. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and listening in. You can find archived copies of these podcasts on the Cardinal website at www.cardinal-partners.com. We would love your feedback. And if you have a topic that you would like to learn more about, or if you're interested in being a guest, please reach out at 704-953-5500 or email us at info at cardinal-partners.com.